When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and of course, I'm here with Nick. Good morning, gorgeous. How are you? And you actually mean morning, because we have run out of time to record this episode, so we are doing it, and it's still dark outside. That's accurate. That's exactly what's going on. (laughs) So we got ourselves in a situation where we didn't have time to record, and we didn't want to put a rerun out, so we decided to get up early 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 and record this episode yeah so and i want to make sure the viewers and the listeners understand this that uh normally i am mr five minutes late but i beat the old man to the punch i was up coffee ready waiting i was like hey send me a link let's get on this and he was slowly creaking his old bones up the ladder so it's exactly what was happening i was not happy to be up so early but i am happy that we're able to do this episode and not have to do some kind of rerun or you know we take it pretty seriously so i am excited to be here i am excited that we get to record what i don't like is it seems like summer is shortening and it's very dark when you get up early now no i completely understand what you mean and ironically enough this is normal this is natural every year this is what happens you know the days get shorter the nights get longer it gets a little colder and hot chocolate and pumpkin spice seem a little more attractive than they normally would the rest of the year but it still sucks when you want that warm weather yeah i think i was looking forward to summertime so much that it's almost like a covid fatigue we were locked up in the house and the moment summer came we could run around the neighborhood again and it's like as it gets cooler as it starts to get a little more towards fall, we're now setting up times to be able to go out to the Edible Landscape Project and start pulling plants and mulching them up, that it starts to get just a little sadder. But on the bright side, I'm going to cheer both of us up because we've saved a topic that you have been wanting to do. <laughs> People can't see right now. Nick has his excitement face on. He's giddy about today's topic. Today's topic is about solar roadways. Solar freaking roads. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have ever seen that video. I will link it in the description because it's worth seeing. It is, you can say, one of the best marketing YouTube videos ever made because it took something from a company that was extremely obscure and put it everywhere. I probably shared that thing to you know, a hundred different people. Nick being one of them. Yeah, I love it. It is so, even just the exuberance of the name, Solar Frequency is, I love it. I love it so much. It's been years. (laughs) I think you shared that to me, what, like six, seven years ago? Yeah, I sent a video quite a while ago. It was before I was in college. So we're talking like eight to 10 years ago. Yeah, that definitely wasn't yesterday. And honestly, I expected them to be further along at this point. They are getting contracts, but that was a long time ago to be that excited about something and have it not be everywhere at this moment. Maybe they put most of their budget into that awesome video and they just had to recoup it over the years. (laughs) Well, for those of you listening who don't know what solar roadways are, it is a high-density solar panel that that are hexagon-shaped that are used to replace roads. Now, 
I think everybody has their own ideas of how this was, how this should all go. And I'll cover mine during this conversation. But what they want to do is start replacing road after road with these solar panels. And they're LED lit. When they put them in, they create water drainage systems, places for the pipes, for water, for electricity and everything else. It's, it's quite an undertaking when they when they put in solar roads but if one gets damaged you can replace them one hexagon at a time instead of in most cases at least in michigan where we rip up full sections and divert everybody this would be construction season construction season and we do have a season of construction this is small replacements as you go but one of the funniest things that that i hear is that if every road in the united states was replaced with solar roads it would be more energy collected than the whole planet would need so the lower 40 or for for the the mainland the 48 states if the roads were converted the whole planet could be powered by them i disagree you disagree i I disagree why do you disagree okay for starters we're gonna we're gonna preface with the notion that i'm an ignorant guy who's just going on the tiny bit of things that i know and i would say that just because you can collect the energy and create it doesn't mean you can store it and so I have no doubt that they could they could produce the power we need, but unless we have a way to store it and then send it overseas, unless the infrastructure is completely reworked, I don't see how it's going to happen. I would like that to be the reason why we re- rework the whole infrastructure, <laughs> because the whole infrastructure needs to be reworked. Amen. But I think it was more of a measurement tool, not a functional tool. I don't think that converting every road to the United States it will get distributed well, I think they were just saying, if we did this, the collection amount would exceed the amount used. Yeah, and I, I don't actually think it needs to be every road. I, I, for starters, I think the concept of, of doing every road is a half-cocked pipe dream because not even every road in the United States is paved. I mean, there's still dirt roads. So I would say, if we're talking solar freaking roads, I would rather see solar freaking interstates. Like, just the big heavy, you know, the ones that, that stay plowed all year long, that they get the most traffic, interstates, or maybe not even roads. Let's shrink it down. Let's do sidewalks in communities. Like, think about it. If all your sidewalks were, were, were that same technology, that could probably power most of the energy needs for a small town, and it wouldn't be under the weight distribution of, like, cars and semi-trucks and that kind of stuff. Well, and you just said something that matters, as you said, the roads that are usually plowed. These don't require plowing. These are, well, no, in function. These have heating elements that melt the snow off the road for you. These are heated. I didn't know that. I thought they were going to go based on the premise that they're black, and so they would just attract the most sunlight and heat themselves up, which is great on a good sunny day in the winter. But if it's not sunny, you're in trouble. But if they're heated, there we go. Yeah, they're designed to have roughly the same frictional coefficient of any road, but in the process, some of that energy collected is used to produce a little bit of heat when needed, and that melts the roads. So we're not talking about, like, for anyone listening, we're not talking about warm to the touch. We're talking about just above frozen so it stays functional and it stays everything stays melted off because it takes an enormous amount of power to create heat. I mean, you're literally pumping out the cold and creating heat in a place where the entire surrounding area is going to be 35, 32, you know, 30 degrees. And so we're mm-hmm. not talking enough heat to make it warm to the touch, just enough to keep it functional. Just enough to melt the snow, get it off the road, and and expose the panel. I like exposed panels. 
<laughs> so these have a heating element in them. They're frictional coefficient, the ability to, you know, stick to those tires, if you will. It should be roughly around the same as a road, and they have LED lighting. So instead of painting the roads on a regular basis, you can program them. They're designed to, you just sit down with a laptop and say, I want lines here. I want arrows there. I want it to say, turn left over here. And if anything changes, you can just change it on the computer. That is awesome and terrifying. And I feel like there's going to be some little nerd, probably someone like me, which we're going to make a lot of bad decisions with that computer. (laughs) Well, I I would hope that there's minimal hacking. I'm just saying, like, well, it would be amazing if you're driving down the interstate, you look at the road, and it's playing Die Hard. Right. I mean, you don't want you don't want it to play Speed, but Die Hard, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I would assume you don't see that a lot on all the other panels. You know, you don't see people taking over the expressway, uh, the interstate signs, or even the ones on the side of the road, which are pretty easy because you can just plug into. But and if you're thinking Facebook. Again, remember, more miracles happen from Photoshop than anything. No, I'm I'm thinking that I want to play with the technology. That's all I'm thinking about. Well, I've thought about, could you imagine if you're, as you were saying, your, your downtown area had those. We, I've discussed this in one of our episodes before. I, it would give it like that Tron feeling, like the, the road, the sidewalks, all completely programmable. Dude, yeah. You know how funny that'd be? Just like, I shouldn't say funny, but you know how awesome that'd be to like when you're walking and like on a real dark night, instead of having streetlights, your your path just lit up as you stepped on it, like a video game, like bloop, 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 bloop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so you can reduce some of that other cost of the overhead lighting You and go with this LED. And depending on your colors that you use, you could greatly reduce the amount of light pollution. But it, you I mean you could light it all up for festivals in town. You could have night events. You can even have winter events because it's going to melt the snow. Yeah. Well, yeah. But it, and so people don't maybe not think about that, or at least I'm just now thinking about it. So another area where it's going to save your time money is that if it's melting the snow, then you're going to greatly reduce the staffing and the vehicles you're going to need for salting and plowing and that kind of stuff. And that actually, depending on the winter, because it is something that fluctuates with with the severity of the season, greatly influences the budget of communities because. Because that stuff's expensive, especially when winters are hard and, and salt gets hard to find. You know, they have to buy it regardless. So if they're buying, you know, three to four hundred percent over retail because they have to have it and the quantity is scarce or the supply is scarce, my apologies. That's a big drain on the, the communities um, or the counties, if you will, budget. So I think that there's all different little ways this could improve finances for a community on top of being super cool. Well, and I think part of the reason why we don't see it as far or spread as far as it should is that. When there's a return on the investment, the cost of installation, they really have to dig out everything. They've got to put in this drainage system, the place for oh, the for, yeah. pipes and wires. And it really is a change to the infrastructure of where they put it. And I think that sometimes when you look at an ROI or, or that return on investment, maybe they're not including some of those things. The fact that you don't have to plow anymore or the fact that you don't have to buy any of the things that you used to buy to make sure that road was clear. I think when you when they do an ROI, it needs to include all these things. The fact that when animals walk across it, it has animal detection systems built in so that as they move across, it lights up the hexagons that their feet are touching. So a driver driving at night sees this difference and hits less animals. Well, imagine a world where, and this is going to, you talk about Tron and stuff. Imagine a world where the 
most commonly driven vehicle is, is electric vehicles. So you have this completely um, contained infrastructure of electronics, this whole network that you that's wrapped around you while you're driving. Imagine where that pairs with the road. And so when that kind of stuff happens, when there's a deer in the road, when there's a fence broken and the cow gets out, like you know about it 500 feet before you get to it. Like when everything is working in a efficient way to ensure the safety of the people traveling because really i mean if we're being honest we don't we don't design vehicles and roads for the safety of animals we design it for the safety of humans and so if you want people to be safe while you're driving you need to try to increase the uh the chances they're going to get from point a to point b as high as possible decrease the chance of bad things happening and anything that would help do that is in that win i'm gonna rope these things into any way i can because i think they're awesome so we're freaking roads yeah, I think another miss is their infrastructure can work with other utilities. Yes. So when they when they bust all that out and redesign it, where is the electric company in this conversation? Because instead of having these wires that are constantly exposed above us where storms and squirrels are damaging them and trees are coming down and, and taking out our power, that is the opportunity to get those poles out, run those lines right down inside there with everything else cable our internet if you're still using some kind of telephone landline system for the few who do all of these can function down in those corridors and it it gets them out of the city it gets them out of our site it gets them out of danger out of the way where all they do is go to the side they open the access panel and there it is to work yeah, so really what you're actually talking about isn't necessarily a redesign of or just a redesign of our physical infrastructure, but our social infrastructure as well, because all the things that you're talking about are just first world conveniences of living. That's all it is. Power, internet, the ability to call someone on the phone. That's all stuff that we have out of the convenience to make our lives simpler. And you're right. You know, terribly dangerous, even today's day and age, how dangerous it is if there's a bad thunderstorm and it knocks down the wrong part of a power line. Yeah, yeah, and and you're talking about first world technology, but it's still in that 1919 method. I know that's my point. <laughs> so we want. I think that yes, maybe solar roads are pricey, but if we take that and we get some from consumers to invest, and we get some from Comcast or Charter to invest, a city could do this. They could do it, but I think I think where the fear would come in from companies like consumers is if this if if this is you know really thought out and let's say they they take a small community or they just just start with airports. Airports are a great way to start, or like maybe big parking lots at at government buildings. But I think airports are probably the best option for like a, a test run for this because all the infrastructure, power, everything is already there. They can just hardline it into the runways. They would just have to you know install it. Consumers is going to effectively almost be put out of business unless now they would have to be the ones honestly to implement this change to stay in business. They would have to be the ones getting the contracts and doing the installations and redesigning their entire business model. Otherwise, we're not going to need them anymore because these things are going to produce so much power. At that point, consumers becomes a distribution company and that's it. All they're going to become is the company that lays the line and says, well, this is where the power goes because we're not even going to need to have a bill at our house anymore. I mean, I guess, well, yeah, we could still get charged for the power we use, but like, it's not like there's anything wasted in the, in the, um, production of the power it's coming from the sun so after the initial investment for the, 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 the purchase and the installation of the panels is, is met at that point, it's all free energy. I think we've brought this up a few times in past episodes that I do believe that at some point, all the energy companies out there will just be distributors. 
They will be the keeper of the grid. They will be the managers of the grid. They will make sure that the overage is used in a productive way. And, and when it's under, you know, when we're under the production, they produce something to make up for it. Mm-hmm. That most production will come from clean sources in the next 10 years. It doesn't matter if it's wind turbine, large wind turbines or a program like this. Remember, uh, those companies are required to have a certain percentage of clean energy. And they still count burning wood as part of their clean energy. And so they always have these programs. Hey, you put solar panels on your house and we'll do this thing for you. We'll get you a discount on panels. They're always doing that because they want us to invest because they get the credit. Well, this is another good system that allows that. And let's face it, come summertime, we do not have the production capabilities to meet household need. Everybody turns on more than one air conditioner. That's why the bill goes up. They do the carrot and the stick to try to keep down that consumption because they cannot manage that much use. I mean, look at this past summer. I I had a wedding where just before we were heading out to the wedding, my house lost power. There was, to this day, no rhyme or reason. Consumers sent a crew out, if you could see them doing finger quotes, to investigate nothing because there was no reason that our power got turned off. I told my wife, I was like, I'm going to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I think consumers looked at their, you know, their map of where the most power goes and they just randomly killed houses so they could produce the power for other communities because there's no, there was no, no transformer breakdown. There were no lines. There's no work being done in my general area. They just said, I'll be back out at eight o'clock tonight. Well, thanks, but maybe I needed to be home. I didn't, I had a wedding, but my point is, is that there was literally no reason for my house to not have power. When I got to the wedding, that house did not have power. Same story. They had no reason not to have power, but there they were using a generator. Yeah. So when we start collecting these sources from all different places, it alleviates a good chunk of that. When you start converting, that's I'm going to use Durand as an example. It's areas of Durand, that produces a, a decent amount of electricity, and it greatly reduces the consumption of the town. Mm-hmm. On top of the fact that you can start taking light poles out because you're lighting the ground. You can start taking the street lights out because you've lit the ground. That's the you, idea. Yep, you reduce your light pollution by using the correct color of LEDs at at the right intensity so that you can see where you're going, you can see what's going on, but it's not shining up well above you. These are all advantages that I'm not sure are actually calculated into the cost of a solar road. The fact that when you have a pothole, if you will, because there isn't a such thing as a pothole, these panels start to degrade, dirt dust gets on there, vehicles are passing over it, the glass top starts to the haze over. They take those out, they replace it with a new one, and they send that one back to be refurbished. They can take off that glass top, put on a new glass top. You don't have to tear down a whole road. You, you, If you have a water main break, it has been moved from under the road into that unit, that sealed unit. Yeah, that's something I never understood about our infrastructure. Like, why in God's green earth uh, are water mains and, and other big things like our sewer system, why does it run under the road? And I understand that it, it made sense to some degree that if you put everything in one place, that it's less you have to dig other places, less you have to do in a more, you know, cumbersome area. But the same token, like, these water mains weren't really made I'm going to phrase this. They're made to last a long time, but they're not really maintained very well. So when you get 60, 70, 80, 100 years old and you've got these huge, huge, heavy trucks 
that are driving over this stuff, it, it's going to break. Now, I only say it like that because we're a young country. As far as the world goes, we haven't been around very long. A lot of this stuff is in its first or its second life cycle. It's not like we've had generations and generations and generations of people doing this. This is just us falling short. So instead of like trying to fix what is broken, why not replace it with something that we could just start fresh with? Well, and I think part of the concept was by the time the pipe has to be replaced, the road has to be replaced. Road so gets that, replaced every year. It's Michigan. So that every time you go to, t- well, there's a difference between resurfacing and tearing it out. I, but Yeah, well, no, okay, you're not wrong, but I'm not talking about just putting new asphalt and then gravel down and then stickering it later on or painting it. I'm talking about like, like right now, there's a corner of Mount Morris and uh, Linden Road. They've gotten torn out, like completely torn out. It, and P, for those of you that have never seen a road get replaced, it's not like they just do the top. It goes down a foot. Well, yeah, I was going to say, depending on, well, it depends on the weight load of the road and what, what it's what it's zoned for. But um, there's a lot of things that it's not just to throw on concrete down. It's there's still rods that go through it. Like there's all these different layers of, of materials that are designed to withstand the, the weight of you know the traffic, but also to move with the land and flex with the land. So it doesn't just crack and get ruined in the first year. They're, they try They really do try to design these to last and they do their best. But when they when they've got to replace one. It is a huge, huge problem with the surrounding communities because we don't really have a whole lot of other alternatives for some main rays of travel. Yeah, especially here in the Midwest, we don't have a lot of modes. It's Everything is designed around cars, you know, mm-hmm. with, with Detroit being a hub when it, when it comes to motor vehicles, the state chose to be car centric. But I think what you're expecting is, is that when they replace a road, they replace everything underneath it doesn't always happen here in town we had a replacement of a road and then the following summer they had to tear up that same road because they had a water main break so instead of doing it all at once they only did what they thought they needed to do and then a damage happened and so meanwhile as you're a resident you're looking around going hey what are you doing we, we already did that road <laughs> you mean as a taxpayer you're like oh great my money at work again Right. And it's very bad optics. What I like about the solar road system is, is everything is accessible. And that when you replace something, it really is plug and play. Pull this one out, plug that one in. And that you never really have this full reconstruction. Who knew that the design of Legos as a children's toy was going to set the framework for like everything in life? Everything about <laughs> everything with technology is plug and play. Like even when you when you start building computers, like what do you do? Well, you just kind of take a chip out of the board and put a new one in. Like if you don't have enough RAM, you get a bigger one. Like it, and you you're you're locked into your your board's you know limitations. But like it's, I said it kind of as a joke, but like I really think it's hilarious as time goes on. Life just kind of feels like a big version of Legos. Well, and it's not going to get different. Um, we're getting to a point now where furnaces won't require a repairman because each piece is, uh, you know, take two screws out, out comes that piece, put the new piece in, put those two screws back in. Everything is becoming designed to be easier to fix. Our roads are no different. We really should do the same thing. Well, that's what I mean. Right? We've talked we, we've talked about our infrastructure a lot. Most of our shows, in fact, in the first few months were about that because you like you spent a lot of time in Flint during the water crisis. And that that's a huge failing of our infrastructure. It's kind of what I meant about saying, like, well, we're, we're a young country. So this was these were our first opportunities to say, OK, well, we got to make these changes and we got to move forward and we got to make sure these repairs are done for the safety of our people. And people just kind of shoveled it under the rug. It was kind of out of sight, out of mind. It's out of the ground. Why do you care? Well, infrastructure is designed so day-to-day life can thrive if we don't have infrastructure life becomes really hard you know it's not 
it's not going to be easy to have a successful society or have a really good city or a booming community if the basic needs of life, you know, water, power, aren't able to be provided and produced. And transportation, like it or not, is a basic need of life. So it's something that should really be looked at. Yeah, I think that where governments fail is in lack of preparation because what they do is they have a large amount of people in a town that don't have a lot of extra money. They don't have a massive amount of disposable income. And then they say, this infrastructure needs to be replaced. You will all need to pay for it. Where the moment we put infrastructure down, a budget should be set to start saving for its replacement. So that when when it happens, it's not an inconvenience and a massive cost to the resident. It's just an inconvenience. Yeah. I agree with that. But to be fair, I'm going to jump on the train of the ignorant taxpayer. We already pay taxes. We already have these programs in place that the different millages and stuff that, that want more money out of us. And that's fine. I will support anything that needs to be paid for if it makes my life easier. I am not a man that would do well in the face of adversity. I want a simple life. I'm just, I know how I am. In the event of an apocalypse, I'm dying first. Like, it's just going to happen. So I'm okay with paying taxes. I really am. I do believe that when it comes to that kind of stuff, I think greed has a lot to do with it. And I think that there is a lot of problems with the um, the misuse of funding, not even necessarily a dishonest use of funding. There, There's a lot of legal ways to honestly waste people's money. And so I, I just wish instead of like, maybe instead of repairing these ancient old grids that need it i feel like i feel like our grid is like a comatose patient that you keep putting on new ventilators like every time a machine wears out they just hook it up to a new one instead of just saying well let's pull the plug and do something new well and like, i think that there's a part of me that thinks that they're waiting for new technology wireless technology is starting to happen it's almost like they can we drag it along until we get to wireless but that isn't tomorrow that isn't real soon that is not a We're not going to be able to transfer energy by frequency and Wi-Fi for a while. We need to do something in the meantime. And I think hiding it underground in these in these designed units like this, along with all the rest of our infrastructure with easy to access paneling is important. I agree. And here's the other part of that. That infrastructure is already there. All you're doing is removing part of it and just augmenting it for the new idea. It's not like they're digging new holes and they're going to tear out everything and then spend all their. I mean, I understand the roads a hard part, but I mean, the the, the water mains, the, the tunnels, the infrastructure to maintain the rest of it already exists. I mean, not that I frequent going down manholes into sewers. God knows I won't fit through the hole. But, like, there's a lot of room down there. And it's built like that for a reason. It's built like those people can get down there and work. That's why it's there. Yep. So, and gas lines, all that stuff can be centralized in this network. And I honestly believe that if that became a joint operation between the utilities, that would really drive down the cost, allowing more cities to use it. Now, you know, we talked about all these little advantages because that's what drives that cost down, that, that return on investment or ROI. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about, yeah, panels have to be replaced periodically. They're expensive. These are all problems with getting that implemented. But I think it, you know, with more EVs being sold year after year with less internal combustion engines, we're going to need more electricity. 
we're going to need more local electricity to help manage that grid. Because remember, we're, we have a fragile grid that can't make it all the way through summer half the time. Uh-huh. And, we're, and we're about to start plugging the cars into that grid. And, I, and not just a few. Like, you're going to see less and less internal combustion engines showing up on lots. Well, imagine this. And, and, and imagine a world where when you have areas of the country that, like, like in the Midwest, like in the UP of Michigan or in the down in the Carolinas and the mountains, areas where are so, like, thriving and, and beautiful with nature that are, they're, I'm not going to say they're undeveloped, but they're very touched. They're touched on a very small level, you know, compared to, you know, big cities. Instead of like having to run gas lines or oil lines through oceans and lakes and underneath um, dams in, in places where there's already an ecosystem thriving and functioning there, like imagine like if the power needs are met through solar roads. I mean, just 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 imagine it because you could you could you could augment like your needs and the way it's designed based on the community. So if it's a small town, do sidewalks. If it's a big city, you'll probably need to do the roads. But my point is, is that the less time we spend moving resources around to where we think they need to be, the less opportunities there's going to be for accidents and disasters to happen. Because I'm here to tell you, like, we've gotten pretty lucky and there's been some really gnarly, terrible things that have happened. But the earth bounces back when you give it a chance. I think it's time we give it a breather, don't you? Yeah, and I think that I've looked at solar roads and I have my own preference of how to use them. If it was me, I am a big fan of roads that are traveled on at less than 35 miles an hour roads that do not allow heavy equipment. So, so downtown city roads, downtown, downtown city roads where you're not going to get a tremendous amount of semis because that's going to extend the life. I want to see slower traffic on them because there is a part of me that is concerned about that frictional coefficient of glass yeah. versus yeah pavement all it takes but, is the right vibration level then boom i understand that yep i mean so you have it's all lit up i think it can be amazing i think it can be gorgeous i i'm shocked that vegas hasn't already done this down the strip <laughs> now that yeah, i think that, about it that, that's a you might be laughing but that's a fair thing like i'm really surprised too and but what you're saying makes sense and it wouldn't be hard in my opinion for communities or, or counties if you will when they're when they're putting these things in so let's say a county decides to do the downtown city roads well then they just leave utility routes open with the old style of road for the big heavy equipment I mean, yeah. when, I, when I say heavy equipment, I don't mean a garbage truck. I mean a 16-wheeler that's hauling 80,000 pounds, 100,000 pounds. Like they, they can haul some weight, and that weight, if not weighted and distributed properly, could cause huge damage to those roads on a, on a bad day. So I think that's a really good idea. I like the idea of walking paths being lit that way so that they are very dim, and you just see the path very lightly as you go. But as you walk... It takes the 10 foot in front of you and lights it up. Oh, so it's okay now, but it wasn't okay for death row. It was not. <laughs> this is this is outside at night. Kids walking to school, much nicer routes. But bike riding trails, I think that stuff is a really great concept for this. Yep, I put bike, bike lanes and paths, uh, walking paths, basketball courts, parking lots. How much money could Walmart save if their parking lot was this? Well, truth be told, in 
I mean, with the size of a Walmart parking lot, and people don't realize this when they build Walmarts, Walmarts have a tendency to, to build on the outskirts of townships versus in the city because the taxes are lower. And if you'll notice, they always buy up all the land around where their store is so they can sell it off later. So if a Walmart, you know, buys a piece of property, they create that giant, huge parking lot and then starts to develop the surrounding land. So now, in theory, you'd have all these other roads and and, and um, little fake parking lots and stuff around it that will also be solar powered. Like it would produce so much. It would produce way more power than they need. The only time that would change it, I would assume, is because I'm sure Walmart uses a tremendous amount of juice trying to keep itself, you know, the, the, all the refrigerators to keep the building cool. But it should produce more than it needs. Well, so you have these parking lots that you can light up and you no longer pay for snow removal. I mean, what's the worst? You have a squeegee guy that goes out there for standing water in some places. You 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 reduce that cost too. There's no more salt needed, mm-hmm. so you, you you just have a clear space to park. So any of those parking lots is a good example. I don't care if it's a strip mall or if it's a Walmart. That's a good place to put them. Absolutely. The, common dangerous intersections there's a lot of intersections that especially here in the midwest that are a little more rural that as you get closer and closer to them they sneak up on you or they don't they don't necessarily they're not intuitive as a stopping point light it up you know create this difference you go from this long dark drive to as you get closer you know 100 feet in all directions has that lit intersection that you no longer have to have all these, a blinking light that tells you there's going to be a blinking light that when you get there is a blinking light and a stop sign now with LEDs around it, it can all be within the road and it will get your attention. I think that that's a good idea. I told you basketball courts, driveways, simple driveways. It can be the same thing when no one's flying up and down at high speeds over a driveway and then they're all done shoveling. There's, Oh, say it again. One more time. <laughs> I know. Wow. I'm as we Ooh. as it's starting to get colder. <laughs> that sounds good. I'm already uh, getting into the mood of like no more shoveling. Oh yeah, baby. And another one is roundabouts because that's so new to the people in Michigan and they struggle <laughs> so much with a roundabout. It amazes me how, how much of a struggle they were for me. Like it's like you go in a circle, what else do you do? You go in a circle. Uh it was like Greek. It was so hard to learn. I was like, what do you mean you go in a circle? <laughs> You go in a circle. Can I just stop and turn in the circle? Uh, it's, but in roundabouts, you can light those up, maybe create a little more comfort, put in the arrows like, hey, this lane just takes you around. This is the where you turn lane, you know, so help people mm-hmm. understand it better. You can put messages on the ground. You can put arrows on the ground. You can it can be informative also. So not only does it create energy, give you a place to hide all your utilities, but it's safer if, if used correctly. I am not knowledgeable enough to say it belongs on the expressway yet, but I know that all of these places that we're talking about are easy. These are easy places. All you need is a hard surface. You're going okay. slow. Here, okay. Here's one that that's going to be in the middle. I think it belongs on the expressway regardless. Now, if the technology isn't strong enough or it's not durable enough to be implemented on the expressway itself then okay make it the median instead of having those concrete barriers put them there worst yep. case scenario there's an there's an accident and you lose one section but i mean for the most part those go all year long and don't get touched they're they take up they're just as long as the interstate in most cases i mean obviously they're not going to produce quite as much as four lanes of road but you got a solar panel that's 
I don't know, eight feet long and a foot wide and three feet tall. Like it's going to put some power out there. And you know, nothing else will lower the cost for the rest of us. Well, and that's the idea. Is I'm not a huge fan, as we talked about before, of solar. You know, just filling a field with solar panels. It's this solar integration system no different than we integrated vegetables into our landscaping here in duran we can do the same thing with all of our needs if thought correctly power landscaping (laughs) so solar roads is a way to use existing infrastructure for yet another purpose and reduce injuries reduce i mean remember every time someone hits an animal on the road it's bad for the animal but it's bad for the insurance company it's bad for the person you put the person at risk (laughs) I like how you're like, it's bad for the animal. Like they had a bad day and they're going to get up and they're going to be fine. Like, no, it's, it's the end for the animal. Correct. I could give a, I could give a crap less about the person's insurance. And I think insurance is a whole nother demon. I, I think as highly about insurance as I do consumers, but it's a costly and dangerous uh, event. Uh, yeah. It kills something. I, I know. Well, and it can kill people too. I know. Which so, Michigan, we have deer. I understand. These are all costs that have to be assumed into this into this technology that I don't think always is. Plus, maybe I'm a little biased, just a little. I did meet the owner, Scott, at the Makers Fair in Detroit. They did a, a, a booth there and was showing that technology years ago, and that was pretty cool. What I learned was the family is just a family. They're nice, kind Pretty darn cool people. So it doesn't hurt that the, if this technology finally takes off, it takes off with a very good uh, group of people running it. Well, that that's awesome. I'm really jealous. I didn't get to meet him. It makes me sad, but I'll cry about it later. Um, it is good to see that, you know, something so wonderful is trying to be spearheaded by a good person. I, I you know, I say this time and time again, and so do you, it, you know, kindness should be rewarded. So should goodness. And, and I think that this is something where, I mean, if we're being fair, anytime, anytime a new product or a new a way, a new technology is offered to the market, whoever spearheads it obviously is going to make a price. They're going to make a lot of money if it takes off. So I'm going to preface it with that. But with that being said, having your heart and your soul in the right place to do this kind of stuff is amazing. And normally it doesn't work like that. Normally you have really greedy, rich person that sees a great technology and sees a financial benefit or the possibility for growth and go, well, we're just going to buy that. We're either going to shelve it or we're going to spearhead it. And then it goes sideways because it's, you know, it's not what it could have been because the right person wasn't at the helm. So I want to see the success of solar freaking roads is as soon as I can, because it is amazing. And if I keep saying it like that, my voice is going to go out. Well, there's just a lot of opportunity. There's still a lot of upside. They took a lot of heat over the last probably six years of people. Oh, it doesn't produce enough because they compare it to a panel that goes on a roof, but a panel that goes on the roof can't really handle the stresses. These ones can, they're not, it's not apples to apples. Who cares if it doesn't produce enough? Producing any is better than none. Right. And that's what we get from concrete and asphalt. Matter of fact, another thing that happens is that concrete and asphalt heat our cities. They heat our towns. They make it less comfortable. That's why we. I'm always barking about more trees. I want the sun not hitting that. I don't want those dark surfaces drawing in all that energy. You get this heat island effect for cities. We can reduce a lot of that. You can literally just change the colors. 
right now they're talking about not only putting in new roads, but painting them white to stop that. We can stop reflecting. Let's absorb for a reason. Not absorb like we do now, which just creates this heat and it's bad for animals, it's bad for people, it's bad for cars and tires. Let's absorb it and convert it and use it instead of taking the time to paint every road white because we, oh, we have a flaw, let's engineer our way out of it. Let's find a permanent solution and solar roads could be it. I'm, I think so. I've been saying it for a long time. I think it was the, it was the first way before the, I was ever, ever, ever thinking about sustainability or any uh, carbon footprints, nothing like that. I was a champion. Of that. I thought it was the coolest idea. And I do. I do think the kind of stuff is cool. I, I think that when you can take something that, that serves a single purpose and then you could you know, rip it out and replace it with something that serves several purposes, it makes perfect sense to me, you know, because like, so we're going to take a road out. We're going to put up some solar panels in. Well, it produces power. Well, that's great. Reduces salt, which in, in this state, which means, you know, it's going to reduce rust, thank God, because it's the, we have, our cars have cancer in Michigan. That's ridiculous. But it's going to affect so many aspects of life. And I think it, all the changes are positive, except for the people that are scared because they don't understand what's going on. But I think it's amazing. And I, I will always be a fan of it well i think when you replace a road the cost that it would have cost to replace the road should be taken off the top like you were going to replace that road either way you've replaced it with this panel take that cost right off the top because you were going to spend it one way or another and now you have to look at the rest and then Mm -hmm. take those benefits and again this will be the only road that has a payoff period because no other road pays you back that's accurate. And I'm sure it's not what people want to hear, but they need to start listening because we need solar freaking roads in our lives. Well, and I know you're going to be sad, but that's all I had this week. Is there anything else that you want to say about solar roads? I have to give you this opportunity because you've really wanted to do this show. I just want to say solar freaking roads a couple more times. But no, I just think that it's something that um, it's it was kind of a ridiculed idea. You know, that they made that video and the video is catchy and it's funny and it's super exuberant. And to a point where it's it's over. I mean, it, you watch it, it's definitely over the top. But I think that may have unintentionally played a hand in um, simultaneously getting their attention, but also not people not taking it seriously because it looks like a YouTube stunt when you watch the video and you and it's like it's like a giant infomercial. It reminds me of the RPM commercials at two in the morning. You know, on, on local television channels where it's just like the same exact car commercial and it's like da 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 and they just keep flashing it in front of you over and over again. So as soon as it comes on, you know, you can go to the bathroom, you can go downstairs, you can make a sandwich because it's going to keep doing that for 20 minutes. But that's what it reminds me of. But in a different way, it's just like solar freaking roads. And they talk for a few seconds, solar freaking roads. Like they keep trying to sell you on it. Like an 80s infomercial, like Mr. Allen's 29, 250. It's just, it's, it's over the top. And I think that maybe they should rethink the marketing. I mean, I still love it, but I want people to take it seriously. I want people to really look at it and see the benefits and, and the possibilities that it's going to bring. And I'm sure that if you and I sat down over the next couple of weeks and really thought about it, we'd come up with more reasons why it's a good idea. Because it, it, I believe it is. I would love, and I and I mean this, anyone that, that has listened to the show that disagrees or maybe can think of a, a negative aspect of it that we haven't brought up, please message us. Let us know. Comment on our social media. Let us know what a possible shortcoming of it could be because I, I have, I'm blinded by solar freaking roads. I love it. And until my rose tinted glasses come off, I'm always going to champion this. Well, and I think that primarily cost has been its biggest adversary or the fact that people try to compare it to solar panels and say it collects so much less, but you're right. It is something that needs to be revisited. Maybe it, maybe it was 
too popular too quickly. We missed it. We, you know, it was before its time. I think it's time is starting to come around. I think we need to start making some of these changes as part of that infrastructure change that we need so badly. So that's all we have this week. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I'm going to put the links inside the anchor site so that if anybody wants to take a look at solar roads or just get familiar with it if you've never seen it before i will put the link to the video there for those who want to share in the joy that nick has had over the last 10 years of this video solar freaking roads solar freaking roads that's true feel free to go on there click it see it if you've got opinions of course always let us know that so that's all we have this week if you like this episode please you know share it with a friend or on social media that's happening more and more each week we greatly appreciate it there are other ways to support realistic sustainability one of them is by becoming a monthly supporter on our anchor host site you can find that on either greeningyourlife.org or through the anchor link if you can't do something like that that's fine please feel free to just leave a five-star review those help a lot too those are going to get us bumped up in a lot of the search engines so when someone types in something like sustainability we show up and it's not that that doesn't guarantee they're going to listen it's your words that talk them into it so we greatly appreciate the kind words that have been sent out thank you again for listening and remember all we have to do is get a little better each day little bit little bit big bit i'm mike yeah I'm Nick. and we'll see you next week Hi, this is Mike, co-host of Realistic Sustainability, the podcast, which you probably already know, but I'm also the author of A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. That was the book that led to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and, well, even this show. It offers tips on promoting your positive footprint while decreasing your carbon footprint. So if you want to read what started all of this, get A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life, available on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or just visit greeningyourlife.org for more information. Thank you for joining the sustainable movement and promoting a greener future.